All right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And it's time to talk. It's time to have an honest conversation, I think, about what's going on with this Nuggets team. Things are not going well, and they're not feeling good. Um, <laughs> they were feeling great just on Sunday, <laughs> where we were very positive about Peyton Watson's breakout and the way that Denver kind of evolved over the course of this season. And there's a lot, I think, to be very frustrated about going forward. But uh, hopefully this is just a one-time thing. Hopefully this is just a thing that Nuggets fans don't really have to worry about too terribly much. Um, But look, anytime you lose to the Houston Rockets, you got to ask yourself some questions. The Rockets are now 20 and 60 on the season. This is following up a loss that the Nuggets had against the San Antonio Spurs uh, earlier last month. Now, the Spurs are a million, are they have a million losses and very few wins. This is something that I think is going to be very frustrating for Nuggets fans to have to to think about, and it's also something that they probably shouldn't overthink. But it has been a very difficult month of the season to cover this Nuggets team and figure out exactly what they're supposed to be, what they're trying to accomplish. And uh, as the title says, this is a head-scratcher. This is an uninspired team. This is a group that clearly did not have any motivations last night, clearly did not have any desire to clinch the one seed, which uh, that, that seems like something that you should want to have happen. But Against the Houston Rockets, I guess it's uh, it's not a big deal. But Denver's got another three games to get it done. I'm not worried that the one seed isn't going to happen, but I think Nuggets fans should at least be concerned that this is where their heads are at right now. That they aren't in the right place from a mentality standpoint to try to kill the team in front of them. That's never been Denver's that's never been Denver's mentality. That's never been their desire. It has never been their uh, willingness to actually put the hurting on a team, to play above their station, and to do more than what is asked of them on any consistent basis. It is a frustrating identity mark of this team. But the thing is, is that they've always played to their competition. It has never been a situation where they're the the Memphis Grizzlies or the Golden State Warriors or the Phoenix Suns, where if they get just a, a breath of life against a team, they're going to squeeze that out of the opposition just to put them in uh just to put like just to put those teams on their heels and, and have 30 point wins and 40 point wins and 50 point wins. The Nuggets don't have that. They they don't have that as part of their repertoire. And I think one of the reasons is that they're just not very hungry for these wins. They don't feel like they have anything to prove. And we're gonna find out. We are going to find out real quick whether this is going to be something that the Nuggets have to be concerned about or not. But the urgency to claim the one seed last night clearly did not exist. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about the the logistics of the game because I don't think that they matter that much. But one thing that really does stand out is the 20 turnovers. It stands out because Denver was jogging up and down the court for the entire first quarter, trying to get into the flow of things, not really pushing the pace too hard, not really um, locked in with with what their principles are supposed to be. 
And they had an opportunity with the way that the Rockets kind of showed up at the beginning of that game to be up by 20 after the first, to put that game away and not be and not be playing with their food. But they played with their food and they did not operate like a championship team is supposed to operate, which is lock in, put the hurt on a really bad team and win the game in the first half. And as a result of that messing around, Denver stuck around with the Rockets. They stuck around with the Rockets, and then the Rockets were only down three at the half, and they their effort got better as the game went along, and Denver's effort somehow got worse. And 20 turnovers is horrible, and Denver should honestly feel atrociously bad about the way that they played. But the one that I think Nuggets fans are at least a little bit like that, that they should be concerned about is the way that Nikola Jokic played in his return. Independent of the fact that Jokic clearly lost the MVP last night with the way that he performed against the Houston Rockets with eight turnovers versus the way that Joel Embiid performed in a very high pressure situation against the Boston Celtics on national TV, putting up 52 points on 20 of 25 from the field. And Jokic was unbothered and uncaring and apathetic and clearly not focused on what the Nuggets needed to do. It was so bad in that fourth quarter that Michael Malone benched him after three minutes. He came in at the 535 or the 835 mark and exited at about five and a half. It was that bad. And it's not usually that bad. I don't want to be the uh, the full Debbie Downer here, but this is the time where you take cues from your best player on how hard you're supposed to go, on what the mentality is supposed to be, what level of professionalism you're supposed to bring. And I've heard a lot about Jokic's level of professionalism in the locker room, his ability to go about things as he should every single day. But this is one where Denver clearly needed a kick in the pants. They clearly needed something to get them out of that emotional funk. And if anything, Jokic dragged them back down into it. Um, Jamal Murray exited, and we'll talk about him in just a bit, but Jamal Murray exited, and, and he's usually the guy that I think brings more of that attitude, brings more of that angriness about just how how he's supposed to be doing it um, and how the team is supposed to be going. Jokic doesn't bring that. He tries to approach the game every single way that he possibly can, and he'll raise the intensity in the playoffs. I have zero doubt about that. We'll get to that in just a bit here. But against the Houston Rockets, these are games that Denver is liable to lose when the team just doesn't really care and the team doesn't really want to focus in on, on those detailed aspects. And, and they clearly did. They, they had no desire to do that last night. And I think Jokic was the guy that they took their cues from. He had eight turnovers in the game, only 14 points. And he started off the game with, I think, eight points in the first quarter. So there's no reason why he should have finished with 14. He's going up against Alper and Shangu. He's going up against a really horrible Rockets defense. And that is not the way that a leader should lead in my opinion. And I do think that when Jamal Murray exited, Jamal Murray exits with a right thumb sprain, sprain, he was questionable to return. I feel pretty confident that this was a cautionary, a precautionary thing. 
where he was just feeling a little bit of excessive pain. That'll go away in the coming weeks. It's not going to be as big of a deal. And Jamal has played well through it, I think, in general. But him exiting with nine minutes or after in the early second quarter, nine total minutes that he played. The team was a plus seven in his minutes. He had two points for us. And after that, it just it just felt like everything kind of spiraled. Like they didn't have the accelerator down. And when they should, they absolutely should. And it's not like Jamal's going to be the only guy who, who kicks them in the butt and like tries to get them going in the same direction. Jamal's also liable to uh, have some bad spells and have, and have some apathetic moments, especially on the defensive end. But he's also the guy who usually is like, what the hell is going on? Why are we doing this? And let's turn it around. And that wasn't present on the bench or out on the floor last night. And we're just having to deal with it, have, having to having to see what this team is, is going through. Um, I think that Jamal's fine, though. I think that he's going to be okay. There's there's no, like I, like with Jokic, it was always more of a precautionary thing from the injury standpoint, but it doesn't exactly feel great about where Denver stands. And, and Nuggets fans are scratching their heads on who they can trust right now. Because if you can't trust Jokic and you can't trust Murray uh, to be to be out there, and you can't trust Michael Porter, who uh, he was initially having a decent game, but in the end he shot forty percent from the field and forty percent from three, and had twenty three points on twenty shots. So it's not like he was great. Uh, he was probably their best defender last night in the starting lineup, which says a lot about the fact that KCP, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray, although Murray doesn't really count because he played nine minutes. It's not an encouraging thing when Michael Porter Jr. is your best defender. Like, I don't know who needs to hear that, whether it's Aaron Gordon or KCP or Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic or whoever. But it is not an encouraging thing when the best defender is the guy that you had the most questions about. <laughs> like, this shouldn't be this difficult. And yet it is. It, it constantly is. Um, I think that Michael Porter's been pretty good over the course of these past few games or these past few weeks, especially on the defensive end, but it's not a high bar to clear to get over what the rest of the team has done, which is really sad. Um, Aaron Gordon still doesn't look right. Uh, I thought that he would be better in general, but he just hasn't been. KCP is now missing a whole heck of a lot of shots. I'm going to share some stats in the second segment that I think will have people at least a little bit alarmed like they did me. Um, and then you get into the bench. Bench looked good in the first half. I thought that Peyton Watson especially was was making some crazy plays and, and having a, a lot of fun driving the ball up and down, uh, dribble driving in transition and in the half court, making some impressive plays and passes and, and scoring plays. And Peyton Watson was very good and did a lot of good things. Unfortunately, he was pretty much the only one. There were only, actually not the only one. There were three players last night that had a positive plus minus. Jamal Murray at plus seven. Jeff Green at plus five. I thought he had some good plays, despite the fact that he was out there for part of the collapse too. Uh, And then Christian Brown, who was plus one in his 23 minutes, which means that the Nuggets were, count them, minus 22 in the 25 minutes that Christian Brown did not play. 
Uh, that basically reflects KCP's time, by the way. KCP's not been good enough. And Christian Brown has been a better player than him for the past month, month or so. Like, that's definitely a thing. Um, that's not great. That's not a great apple cart to upset because you're always going to close with KCP if you're defaulting to what Michael Malone wants to do. But if KCP's not bringing it and Bruce Brown has to be that there for Michael Porter Jr. and like in, in certain defensive situations that the Nuggets want to hit, then you're going to be running into some other issues uh, with the fact that some guys on the bench are actually playing better than the starters right now. And it's actually not close. Like, Jokic was one of the worst players on the floor last night. And that's a really horrible, discouraging thing for Nuggets fans against the Houston Rockets. Uh, but the bench, I thought, looked mostly fine. Peyton Watson, like I said, he he was a minus seven. Part of that came in the deep garbage time. Like, Vlako Chanchar came in during garbage time, was a minus six. Peyton Watson was also out there during that stretch. So he was a minus seven. So minus one in the non-garbage time minutes. But uh, there's still a lot I think that Nuggets fans could be concerned about. Bruce Brown, three steals and three blocks. Like, that's awesome. That is fantastic defensive production. And he did hit two of five threes. But the two threes that he hit were he went two of two at one point and then just kept shooting. And the rest of the shots weren't helpful. Like, they were, they were shots that I was very much questioning that Bruce Brown should not be taking. Like, he should never have five threes in a game. That's not how it should be. Uh, Reggie Jackson was out there for 14 minutes. was a minus 10. And the defense that Reggie plays is abhorrent. Uh, that is a really stressful aspect of Denver's championship hopes, by the way, is that they've got nothing from Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant. The two guys that they traded for or signed in Reggie's case, the guy that they gave up Bones Highland for, and they don't really have the X-Factors off the bench now, unless you're counting Peyton, unless you're counting Peyton Watson. Uh, there's not a lot of juice on that bench, especially from a scoring standpoint. And Peyton Watson's not going to be a scorer. So Denver's struggling, guys. Like They are trying to figure out a lot of things over the course of this post-All-Star break schedule, or maybe they're not trying to figure them out. Maybe this is something where they've been telling us this this entire time, that they've been fine and that just get to the playoffs, wait till the playoffs, and then they'll turn it up. I just have more concerns about that. I have I have more concerns and some new concerns that have popped up over the course of these last six weeks or so in the post-All-Star break schedule. Enough, I think, to have a full segment on why I'm now very concerned about the offense, which that sucks. That's that's just a, a horrible place to be. So, all right, here we go. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the offensive concerns that I'm starting to have uh, because that's cool. We'll be right back. But first, this podcast, as you guys know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Baseball is back, and the push for the postseason is here for hockey and hoops, as you guys know. Make it all count this spring with Superbook. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around and a direct line to the experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. 
4,700. We'll be right back and pick Axe and Roll. back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I don't like being the doom and gloom guy. I, I've, over the last month, for the most part, I feel like I've been pretty good when it comes to getting everybody to look past the four-game losing streaks, look back everything that's been going on behind the scenes of like, oh, man, wish, uh, wish a certain player was playing more, wish there was a certain rotation that was happening, there's some health questions... I've mostly been the guy that's like, okay, wait until the playoffs. They're going to be fine. They've proven enough to me. And then I looked at the numbers today, and I, I had some concerns. I, I have enough concerns now that I think Denver and Nuggets fans should be concerned too. Uh, I did not think that the defensive rating would be higher than the offensive rating post-All-Star break. It is. The Nuggets are 18th in offensive rating and 14th in defensive rating after the All-Star break right now. And while that's not the most important thing from like a, like, I don't know, a, a title standpoint where, oh man, everybody was focused on the Nuggets defense not being good enough. The defense hasn't really changed. Their, their effort has waxed and waned during the post-All-Star break schedule, but when they've had to lock in, they have. The problem is that Denver's 18th in offensive rating post-All-Star break right now, and it's a massive drop-off from where they were in comparison to the rest of the league. The, the top offenses right now in the NBA, I think Philly is at the top, and they're averaging like 123 points per 100 possessions post-All-Star break, which is nuts. But what that tells me is that they are peaking they are peaking and finding their levels at the right time. And the Nuggets are valuing. <laughs> the op what is the opposite of peaking on the offensive end? It is getting out of rhythm. It is not knowing what you're supposed to go to. It is finding problems that you didn't realize existed and then having to rectify them on the fly and there are three games left in the season. That's bad. That is a really, really bad sign. And it's frustrating to me because as somebody who has talked about how great the offense is, how fantastic Jokic is, and, and the starting lineup, that's a definite issue. Um, the starters are going to be mostly okay. The bench has been brutal when it comes to actually performing offense. With Jokic on the floor, let me just see if I can find this number again. Uh, no, no, I looked up other lineup data that I'll, I'll be sharing soon. Basically, with Jokic on the floor, the Nuggets are still at a 120 offensive rating. But when he's off the floor, the Nuggets are at like 99. It's not good enough. I've had back and forths with various people, both good and bad, on how the team has not been good enough without Jokic on the floor. And the problem is that they are so reliant on that play style right now that it is really difficult 
in-game to kind of go from playing Jokic-style ball to non-Jokic-style ball. And Denver's had to navigate that, and they've had some good moments with it, like in the Golden State game, and they've had some really bad moments with it, uh, like against New Orleans. Uh, Both of those games count the same. It's not like one counts more than the other. Uh, I do think that there's a little bit of, like obviously it's a little bit of doom and gloom because Denver's going to have Jokic on the floor for much of this time. They're they're not going to be, like they're going to survive during the non-Jokic minutes because there aren't going to be a ton of them. But if it completely craters and they have like, I don't know, there if there are stretches in the playoffs where they score two minutes or two points across six minutes of non-Jokic time, that could be the difference between a win and a loss. And Denver's got to figure that out. They're probably going to have to throw a bunch of resources at it, which means Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., maybe Aaron Gordon at the five. They're going to have a lot of these lineups that are staggered. And we've been calling for that in the regular season a little bit more to try to survive it. But I understand why Michael Malone hasn't gone to that because you got to be able to trust somebody off your bench. You got to be able to find other people that can do things. But Denver hasn't really found that rhythm. They haven't found anything that I feel very comfortable with saying that Denver's going to be okay in those minutes. So we're going to see. We're going to see what it ultimately turns into and, and what these lineups are going to look like in the playoffs. But here are some other tangible things, some other actual stats things. The Nuggets are down to 23rd in three-point percentage post-All-Star break. Bottom 10, there have been some major times where they've shot the ball like shit over the course of this last week, especially this last week and a half. And it hasn't just been a this week problem. There have been games where they've shot really well. Like I remember the Cleveland game right after the All-Star break where they had like 19 of 35 from three. Just an incredible three-point shooting display. And you had Michael Porter shooting well, Jamal Murray shooting well, and at that time, KCP shooting well. The problem is that KCP has not been shooting well over the course of the stretch. And he is a player that they are going to have to rely upon. The teams are going to dare to beat them in a lot of these moments where they're not going to give him enough space where he can just like set up camp on the perimeter, but they're going to give him enough space where if he doesn't shoot the basketball, then it's actually ruining the offense. So it's balancing between, hey, am I going to be just a little uncomfortable taking this shot? And especially if I'm 0 of 3 on the last three shots that I took, or am I going to continue to let it fly because I'm a really good three-point shooter? KCP hasn't been a really good three-point shooter over the course of these last six weeks. And guys go through slumps. There's no doubt about it. But it feels like the rest of the team has gone through a slump too. I mean, remember back to the New Orleans game, the team outside of Jamal Murray shot 0 of 18. Michael Porter is liable at times to go through these slumps too. He shot 6 of 15 from the three-point line last night. And he missed a whole bunch of wide-open threes. <laughs> like, there were a lot of them. And he got a lot because they generated a lot. And that's the mostly important thing. I think he's a good enough three-point shooter uh borderline great three-point shooter, probably probably is a great three-point shooter in general, where you just have to trust that. If you can't trust that, then you're never going to win a title. There's no doubt in my mind. But it's not Murray, Porter, and Jokic, although Jokic 
looked horrible shooting the basketball from the perimeter last night. I think he'll be fine overall. It's not those guys that I'm really that concerned about. It's the role players, especially the primary role players. KCP's down to 60th percentile in his spot-up efficiency. And what that means is it's either the shots that he's going to shoot off the catch from three, or it's the, hey, I'm going to catch it, somebody blows by me, and I'm going to drive uh, right to the mid-range pull-up or all the way to the rim. Those are all included in the spot-up discussion. And KCP has been good, but he was elite. And the fact that he's only good now, I think teams are going to keep pushing, putting pressure on that and seeing if he can have a good game versus a great game in a lot of these times. And if that's the case, and if that's where it comes down to, then Denver's going to lose some games at some point. But Bruce Brown being 32nd percentile, Aaron Gordon being 21st percentile, those aren't really surprising if you've watched the team over the course of these last few months. But it's not exactly encouraging, that's for sure. Teams are going to dare those guys to shoot. They're going to dare Bruce Brown to shoot. And Bruce is a very proud dude. He is not going to stop shooting unless he's explicitly told not to, that he has like a yellow light, basically, as opposed to a green light. He's had a green light pretty much the entire year, as has Aaron Gordon. But those guys, they're going to have to start picking and choosing their spots a little bit better. And the fact that it's now coming down to this, where Denver's actual three-point shooting is really taking a hit because of those guys specifically, that's not great. Because they're probably the, I mean, they're very important pieces. They're probably the fourth and sixth most important people on the team, respectively. And that's a that's a really tough thing. Next, Denver's 21st in free throw rate on the season and 26th in free throw percentage. They are not getting help from the free throw line in comparison to some of the other, these other teams. People want to complain and say that the Nuggets don't get a great whistle. That might be true. There might be some truth to that. But the most important thing is that Jamal Murray has not been driving all the way to the rim and not been looking to get fouls. He has been stopping for the mid-range pull-up. He's been going to turnarounds. He's been going to pump fakes and up and unders again. He has been less physical with his drives. And Jokic is, by his nature, a more finesse shooter from like the paint as opposed to a lot of the guys that are throwing their arms through another guy's arms in order to dislodge the basketball on purpose and get a foul. Like, that's what Embiid and Giannis do. And they are great at getting those calls, and they will drive headfirst into a lot of these guys on purpose in order to get those calls. And sometimes Jokic will do that too, and he can do that a little bit more frequently in the playoffs. But Aaron Gordon, he'll get to the free throw line. There's no issue with that. But as we've talked about, the problem is making them for Aaron. And he has not been making them at a requisite rate for a championship team. Bruce Brown, same thing. He's like in the low 70s. That's not good enough. KCP, low volume guy from a free throw percentage. Uh, uh, No, from a free throw rate perspective. Christian Brown, low free throw percentage. Just in general. He's basically like Aaron Gordon. And that's probably the biggest weakness in Christian Brown's game right now. Is he just has not been good enough from the free throw line. Friend of the program, I, I hate criticizing the dude, but like that is a pretty big weakness in his game right now. And if he goes one of six in a key game five, then Nuggets fans are going to come after him. There's no doubt about that. 
So it's tough. It is a tough place to be. And Denver's overall level of shooting has not been good enough for the team. Jeff is also liable to make some to have some misses. Anybody that comes off the bench as a big man, whether it's Zeke Naji or Thomas Bryant or anybody like that, they are liable to have some misses too. Denver doesn't have guys like they have good free throw shooters. Murray's good. Jokic is good. Porter is good. KCP is good. They don't have great free throw shooters from the perspective of going to get to the line a bunch, going to make a bunch because those are free points. And Denver doesn't have any guys that get free points. That's going to be a big, I think a big issue. And now, post-All-Star break, the Nuggets are bottom 10 in defensive rebounding rate. Some of this is a focus issue. Some of this is an effort issue. I don't think that this is entirely going to be like a massive problem when it comes to the playoffs, but it's something that I wanted to throw on here on purpose just because when Jokic is on, Denver's been pretty good. Pretty good from a, in a, a defensive rebounding perspective. When he is not on the court and Denver's going to these other lineups that either have a bench center like a Thomas Bryant or Zeke Naji, or they're now sliding Jeff Green to the five, Aaron Gordon to the five, lineups like that, they're going so small now trying to get the offense to be better that the defensive rebounding has cratered. And that 67% mark that I that I mentioned is horrible. And the Nuggets should feel bad that they are so bad on the defensive glass. That is going to be a margin thing. Where if Denver can't clear the defensive glass in key playoff games, they are going to lose at least one. And if they have a game where they lose because of the defensive glass, have two games where they lose because the other stars are just going off, and then they have one game that they lose because their shooting doesn't go down, then what are we doing here? Like, that's four. You're out. You're out right there. Denver has enough weaknesses now. Things that have cropped up, especially during this last six-week period, that I am at least a little bit concerned. I did not think I would be this concerned. I did not think that I would be the voice of doom and gloom here, but there have been enough instances of Denver not focusing, of Denver not executing, of Denver not bringing effort, of key guys in key moments missing big shots, of the team not being able to lock in on the defensive end, and of the offense cratering when Jokic goes off the floor, that if you are not concerned or at least don't have a reason to be concerned, then you are in the wrong. And this is coming from the one of the most positive people over the course of these last six weeks or so. Matt Moore was like, like I was, I was talking to him at the game on Sunday, and he's like, you really are very positive about this team. I said, yeah, I don't have any reason to be that negative. And then you look at the numbers. As, as a number guy, I tend to fall back on those responses. Denver is basically 6th or 7th in net rating, 7th in SRS, uh, Pythagorean win, point, uh, win differential, point differential, all of those categories where you're supposed to be top 3, top 5 in order to actually win a title. Denver is not in those groups. And the fact that they are not in those groups, you have to have a perfectly valid reason 
to believe in them if you are going to say that they can win the title. And I do have a reason. It's Nikola Jokic. And it's Jamal Murray. And it's Michael Porter Jr. It's these really talented players that when they are playing at the level that we know that they can play, then nobody can match up with them in the entire league. I firmly believe that. We're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about good positive stuff. At least, maybe. On the other side. But first, let's get to another read here. Hey guys, in case you haven't already heard, Colorado sports radio legend Sandy Clough is back on the Denver airwaves right here at Mile High Sports. Catch Sandy Clough along with Sean Drotar weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. on Mile High Sports Radio. Listen live on the MHS mobile app, 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3, and stream the video version of the show on milehighsports.com, as well as the company Twitter. Plus, each episode of Sandy and Sean is available for you to listen on demand in podcast form. Just make sure to search Sandy and Sean wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back and pick Axe and Roll. segment. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. It's tough. It's tough. I'm, I'm being a Debbie Downer. I know. Some people like this from me. Some people don't. I do my best to give everybody what they're what they're looking for, but I also don't want to cater my coverage to how people, are, how people are always feeling at the time, because there are some things that just needs to be said. And I think that needed to be said. I think that there's a lot of numbers there that are pretty disgraceful from a Nuggets competitive perspective. And it's tough. So make sure to give it a like. Make sure to hang out in the in the chat for everybody that's hanging out. I really do appreciate you. It's a weird time for us to podcast. I know it's 1.36 in the afternoon, but I do appreciate all the love and support on this show. Make sure to give it a like. Make sure to uh, give those ratings and reviews on the Apple podcast side as well. We are so close to 200. I, I would really love to see that get up over that 200 number. So if you haven't already, that would mean the world. Ah. Let's refocus. Let's bring it down just a little bit. Three games left. You have two more on the road in this three-game road trip that Denver's been on. You have at Phoenix on Thursday night how Denver plays that game, how they approach that game. If Jamal Murray plays, if Nicole Jokic plays, I have no idea. Uh, we will wait and see what the actual report looks like from an injury perspective. And it wouldn't surprise me if Denver just sat everybody. It would also be a big deal if, like tonight, where New Orleans and Memphis are playing on the second night of a back-to-back, if New Orleans wins tonight and Memphis loses that game, then Denver's the one seed by default. On weekends with Swipa on Sunday, I actually predicted that Denver would clinch the one seed during that game, or they would they would actually clinch the one seed in that situation uh, because that would just be funny. It would just be very nuggets for them to clinch the one seed after losing to the Houston Rockets, the 20-60 and 60 Houston Rockets by 20 points, that they clinched the one seed without their own doing. 
in this ugly, disgusting Western Conference that has really cropped up over this year. Uh, but look, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Three games left at Phoenix, at Utah, then home against Sacramento on a back-to-back. We will see how Denver approaches it. Their approach will change based off of what Memphis does tonight. If Memphis does clinch, or if, if Memphis does lose and then Denver clinches the one seed, it wouldn't surprise me if Denver just shut it down. They're like, yeah, we don't feel great, but it is what it is. We're going to shut it down. Um, that would suck, by the way. That would be a really bad note to end on for the starters if they lost to the Houston Rockets going to the playoffs as a one seed. But look, we're going to see. We're going to see what they ultimately do. Let's get more positive. Why can the Nuggets actually win a title? I want you to drop your comments in the comments section, and I'll have Michael pull some up uh, if he can, if you if you guys are as positive as I am from, from a reason of, hey, why can they actually win? What is the reason why Denver can win? I've said it at the beginning um, or at, at the end of last segment. I said, yeah, you can absolutely win because of Nikola Jokic because of Jamal Murray, because of Michael Porter Jr., because Denver has talent. They have extensive talent. Uh, And those guys, they play, if they play like stars when everything matters, then there's no reason to completely hate. There's no reason to completely dispel the narrative that they could win. J.K. Walrus says, same thing. Jokic Murray in a reaching his potential Michael Porter Jr. We can criticize. We can absolutely criticize and say, yeah, you didn't play the way that you're supposed to. But there's no doubt that over the course of the season, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., I think those guys have mostly reached or exceeded expectations with what they're supposed to do. So that's an exciting prospect here. Let's see. Cedric says they have a young but competitive and strong core. Absolutely. You know what they say about young uh, No, not what they say, but what I say about young cores is that they're they're absolutely surprising. They can surprise you. They can do a whole bunch of different stuff and a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't really expect. There's absolutely a possibility that Jokic just breaks out and has 32, 13, and 7. And Michael Talley says, because Jokic is the best player in the league. Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind that they can do it. There's no doubt. And there's no doubt that Jokic can be the best player in the West. And then once you get to the NBA Finals, it just doesn't matter who you face. Like, you're already stamped. You're already in position where you could do it. You just have to win four games. And Denver can do that with Jokic there. You know, says, y'all are panicking for no reason. Team is just trying to stay healthy. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe they're not giving a whole bunch of effort on these loose balls and uh, focusing up and because they're stamped. Because they don't have to care about the Houston Rockets. Because they don't have to focus on those individual matchups. Now, I will push back on that and say the one the one seed isn't clinched yet. It would be nice if they could clinch it with a win. You had a really easy opportunity to do it against the Houston Rockets. Like, a team that sucks. But that's not maybe how the Nuggets roll. And that could, that could just be pretty reasonable. But yeah, if Denver is just trying to stay healthy, they played Jamal Murray for nine minutes. Jokic is jogging. He is not running. Like, that's, it's understandable. Who else? What else do we have? Um, Dr. Van Nostrand, Nuggets are the best team in the West. When they all come together and play hard, they're a very tough 
team to beat. I agree. I agree that when Denver is focusing in, when Denver is focusing in on the details and they are not just letting those details run amok like they did last night, they're a crazy good team. Their ceiling is so high. When you know that the team is going to be locked in on the offensive and defensive ends like they have been in some of these home games that they played, then absolutely. It's hard to stand against them. It's hard to say that they can't do it. They've had some bad moments on the road. And they're 19 and 20 on the road, which sucks. The great thing about being the one seed is that they're never going to play more road games than they do home games. That's cool. Michael Talley says, I really think the Nuggets' struggles are more about not caring than anything else. This is how the NBA is now. Teams just don't care in the regular season. Luckily, in the new CBA, they did uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's uh, frustrating. That's a that's going to be a very interesting thing. Um, we're going to see. We are going to see what this ultimate CBA does. I probably should have more of a CBA reaction pod. Like I said that I would do it last, I think, Friday or Sunday when it came out, whenever it was. Uh, but there's just so much to it that I don't even really feel comfortable like having major takeaways from it because there's still some stuff that we just don't know that unless I can actually read it. And, and there will be a time where we can actually read it. Uh, unless you can actually read it and fully understand what's going on, then there, there's some stuff that I don't know with what the ramifications are going to be. Uh, but if you want some other good details, make sure to listen to, uh, to I think it was Locked on Nuggets that Adam Morris did. Uh, he had some really good details that both affect the Nuggets and don't affect the Nuggets in there. Um, 5555-ish says, maybe Jokic is big braining, tank his MVP odds while also getting the one seed. That'd be great. That'll be great. I I got to tell you, I definitely started caring more about the, the MVP award based off of what Joel Embiid said, what uh, Kirk Goldsberry wrote about Jokic's defense. Like I, I certainly cared more about it then than I did at any other point, really, because there was clearly a hit put out on Jokic's MVP odds. And Jokic was like, all right, cool. Cool. I will. I will bow out at that point, and I think he did bow out last night respectfully. Um, it was. I, I don't have a lot of other reasons to believe that he just wasn't that focused. Like he. He clearly. Some of the turnovers that he made, where he was just dribbling the ball and then just dribbled the ball outside of his frame, and just kind of lost it. It was very uncharacteristic for Joker. Uh, but yeah, MVP. We'll go to Embiid now after the way that he played, and I hope he, uh, I hope he's ready for the fact that if you don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, that it's going to be a lot of hate. Going to be a lot of hate. Uh, yeah, doesn't make it to the East East Finals. Absolutely, absolutely, it's going to be pretty disgusting uh, from a from a hating standpoint. But honestly, Embiid's more likable than Jokic in the general public. I think. I think a lot of people like Embiid more. They like his personality. They like his WWE nature, where he's very out there and talking shit. People mostly like that. I don't think that they like the like throwing Jokic under the bus in some of his takes. I think that most people were like, what the hell is he doing? Uh, but it is what it is. So, look, let's get back to this. I think that the intensity for Denver has to pick up. It will be better 
in a playoffs. It will be better and more focused in a playoff environment where Denver knows that if they lose, they are out, that their season is over. They are very competitive. They want this. They've gone through all of the ups and downs over the course of these last three seasons to try to make it to this moment. There's a lot that they've had to go through. And I can understand not being focused on the Houston Rockets. I can. It's just an aggregate where you're doing this every time that it's not super encouraging. But I do remember the last time NBA analysts were talking about the Nuggets viability in the Western Conference playoff picture. One of the things that they brought up during the 2019-20 season was how Denver's record against sub-500 teams was actually crap. It wasn't good enough. They had so many of these bad wins, especially at home, where they just didn't really focus up. And it sounds familiar. It sounds familiar for this year. But then Denver went on and made it to the Western Conference Finals in the bubble. So it is always more nuanced than that. It is never just a cut and dry thing where because they can't focus up in those moments, they can't focus up in the playoffs. Of course they can. They're not going to play the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. They're going to play somebody way better. For a lot of people, that reasoning says that they probably won't be able to focus up against those teams either. For me, I've never thought that. I've always thought that you always will play your best when you're challenged. And Denver does play their best when they're challenged. That that has, I think, borne out over the course of these last few weeks. Last few years, even. The role players are going to have to fill their roles better. There's no doubt about it that Aaron Gordon has not filled his role to the best of his ability. KCP has not been good enough. Bruce Brown, he has been better over the course of these last few weeks or so, but there are still some moments where I, I scratch my head at like some of the decisions that he makes from a shooting perspective, from a driving perspective, from a defense perspective, from an effort standpoint. There are still some things where I, I'm very confused about with Bruce. But in general, Denver's been good, and their role players have been good. And they'll get back to that in the playoffs. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. I think that they, like everybody else, are a little bit apathetic at this point. And there's a lot of pressure on them from a standpoint of, hey, Denver's main core guys aren't going to be the main defenders. You guys always have to do this. And that'll change in the playoffs a little bit because everybody's going to try to step up on the defensive end. But I can understand in, in the interim why the role players are not super focused on covering up for everybody else's mistakes. Two other things. Denver's worst three-man trios this season from a plus-minus perspective. Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, and Jeff Green are the leaders at minus 89 in 293 minutes. That lineup hasn't really worked, and it's gone through different iterations, whether it was Bones Highland at the beginning of the season, Christian Brown and Zeke Naji, more Christian Brown later, Thomas Bryant. Uh, there's some other staggers at some points that happen, but most of the time it's just Jamal Murray with different configurations from the bench. Bruce and Jeff have been the most consistent there, and they've also been the worst. So Denver needs more spacing. They need more athleticism. They need more of just about everything with that particular group. And they need another guy that they can really trust in those moments. I don't think it's going to be Bruce from like the second option offensively perspective. I think Jamal's going to have to step up and he's going to have to be his best version of himself. And then Denver's other guys are going to have to find some efficiency. One of the great things about the bubble 
when they were out there was because Michael Porter was playing the four. Mason Plumlee was at the five. And then Jamal Murray was at the two next to Monte Morris at the one. So Denver had kind of a structure there that they could go dual pick and roll with either of those guys. A lot of the times it just ended up being Murray because he was so good. But Denver doesn't really have that. And they don't have another option that you can go to other than Murray right now and feel really good. So they're going to have to find that. Uh, the other options, uh, the other lineups, uh, rather, are Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, minus 86 and 187 minutes. And then Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, and Jeff Green at minus 77 and 122 minutes. That is horrible. Like that is that is really discouraging from a Reggie Jackson perspective. So Denver, they're probably not going to be able to count on it. They are probably not going to be able to count on some of these guys that that they had grown to like over the course of this time. Maybe Peyton Watson is a guy that you can trust. Maybe Christian Brown over Bruce Brown is the guy that you have to trust. Maybe staggering Michael Porter and Jamal Murray is the thing that they have to do. Maybe it's Aaron Gordon at the five. But the fact that I have no flipping idea what they're going to do in the playoffs is really discouraging. Like, I should know. I run the lineups. I do the rotations for the Nuggets. Like, I do the rotations for Nuggets Twitter, basically. Like, you see all my rotation charts. You see what I'm trying to figure out. I've got some stuff behind the scenes that I'm cooking up that I'm going to share during the play-in tournament week that Nuggets fans will, will want to will wanna see. Uh, from a rotation standpoint. However, I have no damn idea what it's going to look like in the playoffs. I don't. And that's going to be a very, very important detail for when Jokic is not on the court because he can't play 40 minutes every game. He's going to have to play 36 some games. He's going to have to play 32 some games because of foul trouble. There's going to be a lot. He might roll an ankle. Knock on wood. You don't want that. There's a lot to at least be concerned about. So, look, Denver's going to have to cut out the bad stuff. They're going to have to solve the problems. They're going to have to be proactive. They can't get behind the eight ball. They can't let this fester. These losses have piled up enough. Denver's 52 and 27, and they should probably be 55 and 24, if we're being honest, maybe even better than that. There are too many losses where you go up against San Antonio, you go up against Houston, you lose a bad game at home to, I don't know, pick a team. Um, the Detroit Pistons. We'll say those three games, where three teams that are clearly tanking. Like, you've lost three games to Detroit, Houston, and San Antonio. Denver's got to be better than that. It shows a lack of focus in key moments. And maybe it's not key moments. Maybe that's the disconnect here, but... They are going to have to solve the problems better. And even if it's an easy problem, like just playing harder, they're going to have to deliver on that. And it can't just be playing harder and then losing out your execution. Can't just be getting your execution and then not making shots. Can't just be making mental mistakes. Like there's Denver's got to tie it all together. If they don't, they're going to be in a world of hurt. But I think that they have the capability to do that. I do think that this team is a contender. There's no doubt in my mind that they are. It's between them and, and Phoenix, I think, that one of those teams is probably coming out of the West. Maybe Golden State, given that they're getting Andrew Wiggins back. Maybe Memphis, given that like 
they're still the two seed and that they have a pretty good opportunity in that bracket. Maybe it's the Lakers, who they might be the sixth seed now, and they're going to be in a pretty easy bracket themselves. And you're going to be looking up if you're the Nuggets, and even if you get through whoever they face in the first round and then maybe the Suns in the second round, you might have to play LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the Western Conference Finals and kind of rehash that old thing from the bubble. And that team might be rolling at that point. And that's kind of a scary prospect. And as somebody who has dispelled all those narratives that the Nuggets could actually lose to the Lakers, starting to lose some of that faith because Denver has kind of kicked me in the teeth a little bit from a uh, from an actual perspective of confidence. So, but look, Denver can get through this. They can. They probably will. If I'm being honest, they have the best odds of anybody, or at least should have the best odds of anybody in the West because of what they've done at home, because of what they do when Jokic is out there, and because they have enough guys that they can mix and match in those other lineups that they can get through it. There's no doubt in my mind. But don't mistake it on the fact that the Nuggets are stamped. They're not. They could lose in the first round. They could lose in the second round. They could lose in the Western Conference Finals. Even if they get through the Suns, there's no doubt they could lose in the Western Conference Finals. And that's to say, if you get to the NBA Finals, you're probably going to have to face a team that's better than you. Because the Bucks, the Celtics, they're better. The Sixers certainly have a better net rating. Certainly playing better. Don't know if they actually are, but Denver's probably going to have to play a team that's better than them in the finals, even if they get there. And there's no guarantee that they do that either. So there have been enough issues over the course of these last six weeks that I can't make them a favorite or anywhere close to it. And I was the very positive person on, on all of their odds. So look, they can turn it around. They can clinch the one here real soon. They're going to rest. They're going to have an extended rest time during the play-in tournament. But you better believe that if they don't come out and then say go time in game one of the Western Conference first round, I may be pretty disappointed with that. And there will be ramifications. And it might involve firings, trades, and a lot of defensive Nikola Jokic that is really hard for the leg to stand on when it comes to him actually being the best player or a player that you can win a title with. That's a frustrating thing. On that glorious note, everybody, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends at Superbook Sports. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to the show. Uh, Make sure to leave a like on this particular episode. Michael, can you hit that outro music for me? The actual outro music, please. Uh, I am sorry. I'm sorry about the distortion for the audio. I'm sure you probably heard me talk through a bubble there. That is on the StreamYard side. We are trying to figure it out. Oh, oh did it sound good this time? Michael, Michael says that he gave me the two thumbs up. It sounds good. It, 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 look, we're, we're going we're gonna to get through it, folks. We're going to have a good time. Make sure to leave a like on the show. I promise that if the Nuggets play better, I will bring a better energy on this next podcast after Thursday night when Denver plays the Phoenix Suns. Only the undefeated Phoenix Suns when Kevin Durant is out there. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Leave a like. I'll talk to you guys Thursday night.